2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Morning in America, and it's episode number 38 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's most political Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as per usual, is my presidential co-host, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam?
0: I'm living. uh, I, I have survived this week, so I guess that's almost like doing well.
2: Liam, I don't want to make a point of it because, again, we don't have a large audience for Eric Roberts as the fucking man, and I'd hate to split it down the middle, but what the fuck did you guys do in the past week?
0: (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. An election happened. It was difficult. I think there's a lot of complicated reasons for that, but suffice it to say, I've had a rough week. You know, I work Mm -hmm. with students, right? and a lot of my students are, you know, they're scared. They're worried. They're concerned about their futures. Um... Uh, for very good reasons. So, you know, it's, it's not an easy week this week, Doug. It's not an easy week.
2: It, it makes you, it makes you kind of feel like an Eric Roberts related podcast maybe isn't the most important thing going on right now.
0: Yeah, but it's self care for me. Like being able to do this, even if it's just a small thing is a way for me to feel like I'm doing something creative. Even if I feel like creativity, it it almost feels like a waste right now. You know,
2: now I have to ask you one serious question before we move on, Liam.
0: Oh God, what is it? (laughs)
2: Do you think that your country is going to last four more years?
0: Yeah. I mean, I... Optimism. Because I, here's the thing. But, uh, obviously, of the bad scenarios that have happened here, this is one of the worst case Johns. But I do <laughs> think that... <laughs> I know I did that just for you. But I, but I, but I do think that um, it's not insurmountable and it's not, it's not the end of America the way that a lot of people have been sort of
2: describing it. That is the voice of reason and calmness that I needed right now There was a lot of tears in my house, which, considering I'm in Canada, is a strange thing Usually we're so happy about how great everything is, but it's just been a hard week And I'll talk about why there were more tears in just a little bit But first, today's guest is the co-creator of Mentortainment Tonight As well as the co-host of
1: the Mentortainment Weekly Podcast It's Josh Stewart, how you doing, Josh? I'm alright, you probably shouldn't take any of that to heart We haven't made anything in forever, and we're going to probably rebrand everything anyway you know why you should do that is because I feel uncomfortable saying the name mentor. Yeah, when when we originally came up with that, terms like alt right didn't exist, and I just thought it was a funny pun to have on a sure on a title of a show where we'd watch stuff like the Village People movie. But uh, mm-hmm. now it's uh, you know people are gonna think things. Yeah,
2: the world fucked you over. It's not it's not anything you did.
1: Yep, it's just <laughs> something
2: we have to deal with. Well, unintentionally
0: cool. an MRA.
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> but, Josh, I do. You're on Twitter. Yes, I am. Under uh, Where are you on Twitter? I, that is under Bracky Wacky. That is B-R-A-K-Y-W-A-K-I. And Twitter is pretty much now, what did, I use to get all the stress out of my system and make bad jokes.
2: Yeah, it's Twitter is one of those places which can either reinforce the depression that you're feeling or it can really help you fight against it depending on how you're using it i have to ask you josh does that name come from uh, space ghost coast to coast and the character of
1: brack absolutely it was from a, a cartoon planet song called will you marry me Hey wacky! <laughs> i've had that the way for that you 20 walk years now i think it, it just just <laughs> hasn't gone away Someone left a cake out in the rain. Oh, no. <laughs> so apparently we cake, all know. But now it's all wet. But now, <laughs> now it's
0: all wet. And I don't think I want it. I love uh, you, baby.
2: It's good to laugh again. Uh, Josh, <laughs> you've listened to every episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man? Absolutely. I don't recommend people do that. Uh, not even, like, fans probably is not a good idea. But Josh yeah, has I done got it. In on the so I have them. to now ask... At- <laughs> You did. Josh Josh uh, has been a, a long-time listener, uh, really, I would say, a, a long-time follower of mine. Uh, he, he just goes along with whatever I'm doing, no matter how dumb it is, so I appreciate <laughs> that very much. But Josh, what's your Eric Roberts his,
1: history? I almost said the wrong word there. What a fuck up I am. It's all right. We're all a little fucked up right now. Uh, my history is kind of, kind of odd. It took me a while to pinpoint it, because when I was a kid growing up, my mom worked in a video store. And as such, the best of the best movies were ever present. They were always ah. coming in back and forth, in and out. And so I, I always saw that face. I always saw him going back and forth, but I didn't know him by name, even though I'm pretty sure I'd seen the first one. Uh, I saw The Cable Guy when that was new, and that, that sunk in a little <laughs> bit as well. But of all the weird things, when I started recognizing who he was, was his brief appearance in Cecil B. Demented, because I was a weird kid and I watched that movie a lot. And I was like, who the right. hell is this guy? And then I found out he was Julia Roberts' more talented brother who's done a lot of really uh, really interesting work. And it kind of just went from there.
2: So, when you first heard that I was going to do a podcast about Eric Roberts, what was your response to
1: that? Uh, how do I get in on that shit?
2: Ba-boom, and here you are. Very exciting oh, to I'm have you here, Josh. Here. Very exciting to have someone... Now, how often, I have
1: to ask you this as well, how often when we cover a movie on this show do you seek it out? Uh, it's, it depends. It really depends on how readily available the movie is and how good I actually expect that it's going to be. I'd say maybe about a quarter of the time. But I know that considering how many movies he's made, that's, yeah. That's <laughs> a
2: pretty huge percentage.
1: Now... I just I know that you've watched Cecil B. Demented a lot,
2: but I should ask before we move on: What is your favorite Eric Roberts movie?
1: That is really really tough because there's I mean there's there's almost two different you know versions of Eric Roberts. There's the, the early years and then the the working man years. Uh, I think <laughs> no whatever do you mean no, by that? <laughs> I, I couldn't even begin to explain. Uh, as far as the early years go, I'd say Runaway Train or Star Eighty are both pretty high up there. Uh, he's, because they're mm-hmm. just such different aspects of him as an actor. Uh, and in recent years, uh, at the very least, I'd probably say the one I've seen the most is The Expendables, but, uh, I can't, I, I can't say what his best actual work in recent years is because I am far, far behind. Uh, he was, you know, I, I just wow. watched, uh, Inherent Vice the other day, he was almost in that. Mm-hmm. But, uh. Soon to be covered on this show, I'm sure I believe it's currently available
2: on Netflix uh, At least in the U.S. and Canada really? I believe so, it was just recently added uh, Actually, I think maybe, well, I know it's available here in Canada So everyone should check out Inherent Vice Because of Eric
1: Roberts And I watched it on an archaic disc A
2: disc? Like a floppy?
1: <laughs> half the planet, yeah, three Josh three and a half
2: <laughs> Well, after all that fun and frivolity We need to get into the nitty gritty of Eric Roberts as a fucking man On the latest Roberts Report It's the Roberts Report for episode number 38 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, where we're going to tell you all the latest Eric Roberts news, and we need to start with, hey, extra, extra, there's some big stuff ongoing, and I don't just mean you guys fucking up the entire country by electing some racist as your president, no, I'm talking about the fact that Eric Roberts and I both had a medical emergency, which is why this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man is arriving Late, and uh, our, the two guests today, of course Or I should say my co-host and guest today They know what's been going on But uh, last weekend, I had kidney stones occur all of a sudden And it was awful, and there were tears and urine uh, sometimes combined And it was a really unpleasant thing And you might be like, thinking right now Doug, we care about you, but I don't need to hear any more about your kidney stones Well, listen up, buttercup <laughs> Eric Roberts, the actor He was dealing with kidney stones at the exact same time as myself I had sympathy kidney stones because of my mental and physical connection With one Mr. Eric Roberts And in fact, we're starting with the Twitter feed once again on this episode Mm -hmm. And on Eric Roberts' Twitter feed There was a photo of him in an MRI machine Because uh, he's a famous Hollywood actor So he gets to go to the hospital when these things happen As opposed to just whining in pain like I did And he, you know, he very publicly Said that I was in pain. I went to the hospital. I had a kidney stone. And it just, you know, it made me feel a little bit better about the pain I was going through at the time. Liam, were you concerned about me when I was going through my little incident?
0: I was really worried. I don't know a lot about kidney stones other than just enough to know that it probably hurts really bad. So I was really like, I hope Doug's
2: okay. You know what I really liked is when people told me, I've heard it's the most painful thing that you can experience, that it's comparable to childbirth. And I'm like, well, at least I know what I can tolerate or not tolerate hey, in terms of levels of pain.
0: Hey, Doug, I heard it's the most uh, difficult pain a man can go through. Is that true?
2: Yeah, a man can go. through It's like giving birth out of your dick to a rock.
0: Oh my god. So, I mean, you know, old, the first time I heard about them was in high school. I had a chemistry teacher who had kidney stones and they were so painful, he had a heart attack.
2: So, oh. that's all I know about kidney stones. <laughs> I'm glad you're telling me this now and not before.
1: <laughs> Josh, what's your favorite thing to drink? Uh, you know, I usually just keep a pitcher of sweet tea around the house. I used to drink soda like it was water and uh Yeah, no, I like I uh, like me some sweet tea. Now, down in Texas, which is
2: where you are, Josh. How do they yes like sir. their iced their iced tea? How do you have your iced tea down there?
1: Uh, in regards to how they make it? Cuz usually Yeah, like do they is... put a bunch of sugar in it or are you yeah, like usually. no sugar? Usually it's loaded oh. up with sugar. All right. Well,
2: sugar's good and we we can all agree on that, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Liam. I
0: hate you so much.
2: <laughs> Liam of course has diabetes, but I can't make fun oh, of his diabetes right. nor, I nor should that. I. Yeah, well, I was reminding you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but certainly I need to drink more water That's my deal I don't drink enough water And uh, because of that I developed these stones in my kidneys That then came out through my bladder And here's something that's really unpleasant to think about After I passed it Like one of these stones And I passed six of them over like a five day period I knew I had passed them Because a bunch of like blood came out mm. of my dick And I'll tell you That's not something you want to see That's just me putting that out there Uh, And it did seem like maybe it was kind of a metaphor For the state of your nation while it was happening But it was really unpleasant for me Also on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed He posted a photo from an upcoming movie called Surge of Power (laughs) Where it has him in some sort of supervillain outfit Next to someone in a superhero outfit I think Robert Picardo is in this picture as well, maybe Um, And it looks absolutely ridiculous But uh, I have to say, I'm very curious about this Surge of Power. Josh, will you
1: watch Surge of Power? Uh, I like that uh, kind of bluish-purplish suit, so he, it looks pretty good. And Eric Roberts is really yeah. decked out with a lot of triangles here. And he, uh, He's, he's Mr. Triangle, man. I think. Triangle Man from <laughs> the, uh, from the uh, They Might Be Giants song Particle Man, perhaps? That's it.
2: Finally they're turning that into a movie. That's about time. <laughs> uh, it's an epic saga. Uh, fi- Finally, I'm, on the Eric Roberts... Oh, sorry, Liam, did you wanted to add something to that?
0: I'm just... In the picture, there's also a gentleman with a staff that looks like it has a
2: giant lifesaver on the end. It
1: and does
0: I'm much more time. curious about
2: that. It does look delicious, I have to say. <laughs> he also has a smaller uh, lifesaver around his neck. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing that. Maybe that's his power, is circles. Maybe this whole thing is like a shapes thing for kids. That, I'm perfectly okay with that. Finally... Posted on November 5th on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed, Eric Roberts put out, How many things will I do today that I'll feel foolish about tomorrow? Likely lots! <laughs> what a strange man Eric Roberts is. <laughs> He's weird. He's He's unique. Uh, moving on on this, uh, <laughs> this Roberts report I uh, received a press release Or what I should say is I found a press release online When searching for Eric Roberts News That's called Biggest Movie Release, Eric Roberts and Controversial El Pana And I thought that this meant that perhaps that This press release was written in Spanish Because that title doesn't really make a lot of sense in English But it's not The press release is in English Though it does not make much sense at all I love it a lot This is from November 4th, 2016 It says... The biggest movie release in 20 years Eric Roberts, George Pan, Andreas Fight for El Pana This movie take home one of the magical dreams Of every kid in the world Who dreamed of becoming a matador Yes, we did say matador This is the story of three boys One Greek, one British, and one Mexican Opposite ends of the world Meet in the bull arena Change and one becomes in Austin Power style James Bond, CIA agent With chaos, cars, bus, trains flying Groovy, baby this sounds like the most amazing movie ever in the world, all my life. Josh,
1: uh, what do you it, think? You know, it makes a lot more sense hearing somebody read that out loud than it does when you're trying to process it with your eyeballs. <laughs> the uh, the only Matador-related movie I've ever <laughs> seen is the uh, Pedro Almodovar movie, Matador, and I don't think this is going to be anything like that. Uh-huh. So I'm interested to see this. What are your thoughts on bullfighting? Uh, it's probably not something we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. but it's pretty great when one of those assholes gets kind of gored right on the end of one of their horns. That's, I agree 100%. Liam, your thoughts?
0: Uh, I, I have actually never developed an opinion on it. My initial response is to say it's bad, because it seems like it's not really fair. It's not like a bull having not been affected at all It's just put in a room with a guy, and then we just see who wins. Right? They do a lot of shit to the bull before. The yeah, guy they stab him
2: with like thousands, hundreds of these like pointy sticks and until then, it kind of bleeds out.
0: Yeah. So then, by the time the matter gets in the ring, and he's supposed to be so badass. Motherfucker, does it just just it, the bull's half dead already? How's that impressive? If it was just okay, we got a full bull, he's real tough, we even gave him a little stuff, so he gets more hype, and then a guy, and all the guy's got is a cape, and we see if the guy can survive. That sounds maybe like a fair fight, and I might be less judgmental then.
2: it sounds to me like you do have an opinion on this.
0: <laughs> I just literally developed that off the top of my head right now.
2: The Matadors is such a well-made movie which takes on international branding from candies to clothing to alcohol, all in one movie. The characters are well-played. We see a different part of The Matadors. The Bulls are winning and no CGI controversy. (laughs) So keep your eyes out for this movie, which I'm not actually sure what it's called. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't make it very clear, but I am... Extremely excited to watch this movie Even if the suggestion with the No CGI controversy Is that they're probably going to kill some bulls In the making of this movie Maybe they'll kill some humans Eric Roberts you stay safe out there bro That MRI machine isn't going to be available everywhere Benjamin Hollingsworth Talks Eric Roberts return to Code Black You might remember if you're a longtime listener of the show That Eric Roberts was on the episode Of a television show called Code Black Which I'm assured uh, by listeners, that is an actual TV show. And Benjamin Hollingsworth, I guess he's someone else on the show. Maybe I should have done a little more research, but he does have a quote uh, from about his co-star Eric Roberts. so I guess yeah, I guess he is an actor on it. He says he's such a powerful actor, one that's been around for a very long time. He's magnetic. He brings something that I really get to play off of. You see this connection that a father and son have. both of them want the same thing. Eric has a very charming,
1: charismatic way of playing Vince. I think it's going to make for great TV. Josh, what is Code Black? Uh, I've never seen it, but it sounds pretty racist, and I'm not really sure if I can allow myself to watch that. Now, what would you recommend as a retitle, as a better title
2: than Code Black? Uh, code Everyone. <laughs> that is very uh, uh, <laughs> inclusive. I appreciate that very much. Also, I have no idea what the fuck this show's about. Yeah, it's about a code, I guess. Liam, do you have any pr- uh, problem with the uh, name of it considering your Swarthy origins?
0: <laughs> no, I don't I don't understand um I would need to know more about the show. I don't know. I literally don't know anything about.
1: Well, it. Well, you're gonna know more about it because sooner or later you're gonna see. At we're least gonna two have episodes. to watch it.
0: Oh yeah, no, <laughs>
1: totally. I know. But what's so John good? Is a listener of the show. <laughs> you know what's so amazing about that is how we're
0: not. I'm not gonna watch any other episode, so I'll have no context. I'll have no idea what's going on. It'll be great. I mean, I don't. What is Code Black? I mean, here's the thing. I, I just want to know what it means. Like, it's a hospital
2: show. It's a hosp- I think Code Black is something that they uh, call out in like ERs and stuff when shit is going bad.
0: No, it's not. I've never heard that before. I've worked in an ER. Who says code black?
2: I've never heard that. How about code red? Did they say code red? Yeah. I have a question for you, Liam. Have you ever worked in retail? I have. Now, when you worked in retail, what kind of store was it? Um,
0: uh, Well, so I worked in retail, but I wasn't on the floor. I did, oh. I did stock in a furniture store, and I did stock in a clothing store. I'm trying to think if I've ever worked... I don't think I've ever worked retail where I was on the floor as a salesperson. Oh, that's not true. I forgot. I worked at a shoe store. Yeah, I worked at a shoe store for like three months, and I hated it, and I left.
2: Well, I have a a pharmacy that's fairly nearby where I live, and they have a thing that they announce – over the, uh, the speaker, you know, when they're calling, you know, if, if they need someone to check the till and stuff like that. But they have a special thing they announce if a crazy person is in there uh, that they have to, you know, it's basically something that's not, not supposed to tip them off that they're being noticed as being, like, unhinged. Uh, I wonder if a lot of stores have th- something like that.
0: Huh. I I did not have anything like that where I worked. Um, you worked at a shoe store? Yeah, I worked at a shoe st- I worked at Famous Footwear.
2: Infamous, more like it. <laughs> <laughs> so what did sorry what did you do in the store again
0: i was like uh i I mean i did some stock stuff but i was also a salesperson but like i was very bad at being a salesperson Uh,
2: okay i I do have one question about this before we move on have you ever jerked off on a mannequin's feet (laughs) oh my god
0: (laughs) why that that? it was so zero to
2: 60 on that one (laughs) i was ready for anything i feel like things were calming down a little too much i wanted to perk things (laughs) up make sure everyone was listening I mean, Liam. Yeah. Liam? Yeah. Writer brings familiar places in Oakland filmed Thanksgiving comedy. What does that even mean? The best Thanksgiving ever, a Detroit holiday misadventure. It's set in Oakland County, which I guess is in Detroit, Uh, even though it says Oakland filmed, which would have made me think that it was Oakland, California. Uh, So this is a movie being filmed in uh, Michigan, I guess. You know, they fucked you guys on the election. Uh, anyway, the best Thanksgiving ever is being touted as a raucous, unrated bro comedy with heart and wit will be shown at an invitation-only world premiere November 2nd if you want to hop into a time machine to check that out. Uh, but it's interesting to note that this movie will co-star Eric Roberts as well as Costas Mandelore from the Saw movie franchise and CBS's... <laughs> Picket fences. What did you think of my pronunciation of his name there, Liam? <laughs> I
0: uh, I was that's what I was laughing at. I was just laughing at this person. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's pronounced Mandalore.
2: Mandalore, I think, is how it's. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, some yeah. sort of Greek god or something like that. And he, I mean, he's a handsome man, so maybe that's a good comparison point. What's your favorite Saw movie,
1: Josh? Uh, probably either Saw Two or Saw Seven. I oh. I thought Two was fun in that it, you know it introduced a jigsaw into the mix as an actual character. And 7 was kind of a, a ridiculous way to wrap everything up.
2: How about well, yourself,
1: Liam? I don't... What the fuck? I, you guys have seen all these movies?
2: I
0: saw you know what?
1: Uh, all but 6 in the theater. Jesus I, uh, Christ. I uh,
2: avoided them for several years. Uh, and then I started to feel like I had no right to criticize movies... That I hadn't seen or had no experience with So I watched the entire series I actually wrote two different papers on it at the time Because I'm a fucking nerd Um, And I have to say That after watching the entire series I was actually pretty impressed Particularly by the second and third uh, In the series Which I thought were such a massive improvement And went in so many more interesting places I mean it's yeah, they're super fucking violent, no doubt about it. But it's it's not a brainless series like you might think, Liam. Because you seem to be very upset that other people might have watched and enjoyed these movies.
1: Yeah, I hate them. I hate I hate the people
0: who watch them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, <they're, laughs> no, I mean, I did. They
1: keep a lot of continuity, which horror series don't usually do.
0: The first one is to me mildly witty and mostly facile. So.
2: I don't like the first one at all. <laughs> so that's
0: what I'm saying like I I'm just surprised people went back. I don't I guess I have a lot of movies. Like just like looking in my house right now, I yeah. see a chunk of my Blu-ray collection that I haven't watched. So the idea that then I would take time out of that activity to watch more Saw movies is just crazy to me. Liam, uh, I
2: don't want to I don't want to look, I don't want to take the piss out of you or anything like that, but I should remind you that you co-host a Eric Roberts podcast where you watch stuff that is taking the place. Like I, I signed up for Filmstruck, the new streaming service. Sure. And that literally has hundreds and hundreds of amazing, classic, beautiful movies that I could just sit and watch for the rest of my life for the most part. And I had to stop watching those so I could watch Bonnie and Clyde Justified.
0: <laughs> Let's be clear. The films are not why I do this podcast. It's my love of you, Douglas Tilley. <laughs> and, uh, and the work that we do to heal the divide between the U.S. and Canada. Like that's, I feel like that's really what's going on here. But as far as the actual Eric Roberts movies, every time we watch one of these movies and they aren't bad, I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. That was crazy. Like, ooh, who would have expected that? But no, no, I, I mean, I'm also kind of exaggerating. Like, I watch bad movies all the time it's just amazing it's not just that you all saw these but like you have them ranked like you can like you know just rattle off like which is your favorite one like i, I i'm just not there personally but now i mean honestly i want to keep making fun of you because i like making fun of you uh-huh. but in reality what i'm actually thinking is man i guess i got to see some saw movies i don't but, know Maybe at least I check out the, the chance
2: s- check out the second and third see what you feel i do have to that i'm glad that you brought up you being an idiot, Liam, because I do want to mention <laughs> briefly that you. you don't like uh, Gremlins Two. What?
0: Uh, are we gonna talk about that? Goddamn! Well, I feel know, like Joe it needs to Yannick be wrong. has really. Here's the thing: I feel like what I said on Cinepunks about Gremlins Two was an obvious exaggeration. But my man was so burned on it that now it's become a thing I have to defend.
2: And I, and I don't You double like... down on it uh, in his defense. You double down on Facebook just uh, and then you started just the personal attack.
0: Just out of spite for him. I just I just like to f- mess with Joe. And this is the only thing we you know, when you have someone that you coincide with on a lot of things, the uh-huh. first time you disagree on something, it's like you gotta hammer out that fight for a while. You know, you don't tug we...
2: on Superman's cape and you don't mess around with Joe.
0: I guess that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, Gremlins 2 is fine. I don't understand the folks like y'all that prefer to the first one. I just don't get that. But
2: yeah. I'm, Gremlins you know. 2 is Josh Johnson, the director of Rewind This. That's his favorite movie.
0: To Why the point where he
2: had that? Zach Galligan do uh, – he hosted his wedding. Okay. Because Josh could have been on the show, but he's not going to now because you fucked everything up by hating Gremlins 2. Yo, if you
0: like Gremlins 2 um, – I think you have like an actual issue you should go to a doctor about
1: all right let's go over to josh what do you think of gremlins 2 uh yeah gremlins 2 is also josh stewart's favorite gremlins movie. <laughs> mine oh my too god it's like it's a fucking a, conspiracy with it's, you people it's the favorite gremlins movie of josh's everywhere <laughs> i can't with this shit no you can't recently well i mean it's got it's got cold sodas hot popcorn and no gremlins in the projection booth <laughs> that's what people who like gremlins 2
2: they know that reference that he was making liam
1: You know
0: what's crazy about this is I saw Gremlins 2 in the theater and when I saw it, when it came out, I was like a kid, like a child, and I was like fuck this movie. And it was, I only came to appreciate it later when I was like... Here's the thing, I definitely don't have the disdain (laughs) which I've been painted with for the movie, but the fact that y'all love it so much makes me hate it. Like, it's like If you put it on right now, I could probably watch it and be like, yeah, that was pretty fun, actually.
2: So wait, let me get this straight. Gremlins 2, it's the elite, right? And you're rebelling against this elite movie by going the entire different direction, basically endorsing a racist and electing him president. Recently added to the (laughs) ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb profile is 2016's The Windwalker, which has the exciting tagline, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Directed by Tom Cheney, who also directed 1995's Frostbiter, Wrath of the Wendigo And wrote 1995's Mosquito, which I actually like Have you ever seen Mosquito, Liam?
0: Yeah, I actually have, I like that
2: It appears to be based, I did a little research on this because there was no kind of plot information uh, on the page It appears to be based on Tom Cheney's book, also called The Windwalker And here's the plot of that 25 years ago, Jack Vincent Sr., America's favorite author Traveled into the dark woods of northern Michigan to write his greatest tale, The Windwalker he was never heard from again. Now 25 years later, his son, Jack Vincent Jr., embarks on a highly publicized adventure to finish the story his father never did. But fate has more in mind for Jack Vincent Jr. than just a book. The Windwalker coming at some point. I'm going to say probably not in 2016 unless it's already out. <laughs> but Eric Roberts is in there somewhere. I wonder if he plays Jack Vincent Sr. That seems like a good way to have him in the movie but only appear for a few minutes. Uh, it also sounds a little bit like that Blair Witch movie I saw recently and did not enjoy. Uh, I have to ask you, Josh, before we take our first break Why did you make us watch these two movies And what are they?
1: I only made you watch one movie, being Hitman's Run uh, And it was because it was a movie That I knew would have Eric Roberts from start to finish And it was from the director of Commando So it had a 50-50 chance uh, Adversely, you picked David Dakota's Bonnie and Clyde Justified <laughs> Which has the biggest misnomer Of a title I've ever seen Because there's no justification for it But, you know, uh, here we are Here we are.
2: That's a very good point, Josh. 1999's Hitman's Run, followed by Bonnie and Clyde Justified from the director of A Talking Cat. Let's take our first break, and when we return, Hitman's Run. and shine. Former mob hitman, now in witness protection, is forced to come out of retirement when his family is threatened by his cohorts. He teams up with a skateboarding kid who has a computer disc that the mob wants to get their hands on that has a list of new names for individuals in the FBI witness protection program. The list includes his dad, who separated from his mother years before and hadn't been seen since. It's 1999's Hitman's Run from the director of Firestarter, Class of 1984, Commando, and Showdown in Little Tokyo, one Mr. Mark L. Lester, written by Eric Barker, who's basically done nothing else, but... Uncredited right, uh, 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 sorry, uncredited pot. Uh, I can't fucking speak today. <clears throat> and an uncredited polish by Josh Olson, the writer of A History of Violence. Yes, that that person worked on this movie as well. 1999's Hitman's Run. I'm going to start with our guest today. Josh, what's up with this movie?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't begin to tell you what the deal is with this movie. I don't know how it got made or how it uh, came to fruition, but uh, it's one of those. One of those movies from that period, uh, right when Steven Seagal started getting fat and all those guys started having direct-to-video action movies, and it mm-hmm. fits right in there with the rest of them, where the the tone is all weird and fucked up, where it starts off like a really you know sort of serious mafia action movie and then devolves into some weird family stuff with a really weird comic relief character all the way through it. So this I, I still don't comic know relief character. This fucking kid,
2: we're going to get into him in a second. He is so annoying. Like, like I understand that that was kind of like a, uh, you almost had to have one annoying comic relief character. But this fucking kid is Eddie Furlong times ten. Yeah, just, I, was, just...
1: I was just reaching for, like, Rob Schneider in his two uh, Stallone movies. <laughs> like, please give me Schneider back. But you did like the movie, Josh? I would say I liked it much more than I disliked it. I, right, well. I, overall, I would give it just right above that halfway line. It, it entertained me. It didn't make me mad. All right, works for me. Uh, Liam, over to you. What did you think of the movie?
0: It felt like a series of completely unrelated car chases, mm. with small interstitial scenes. But I felt like um, I, 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 I felt like I was continually seeing various like car chases slash action sequences that I would be thinking to myself. Why do I care about this again? Like, I don't quite know why this what this what's at stake here. Uh, And it it got worse towards the end. There was a there's a brief lull in the car chase action when they want to establish like, okay, so here's what's going on with this. But then, you know, um, when there's the handoff of the disc, he uh, ambushes them. Eric Roberts does with a giant rifle, which. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know how the guy in Witness Protection suddenly gets an assault rifle, or actually a whole series of assault rifles, but whatever. like in this He, morning, had, he, a... he had them in his drawer in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let you have stuff. <laughs> they actually pay attention. Where, the point is, when he ambushes them, we don't actually get that extended of a um, firefight. It again becomes a cartridge. It's like every conflict must end up in a car chase when in reality many conflicts don't end up in a car chase funny enough but in this film it's like every single one is like oh it's it's time for another okay let's do this let's see how this goes uh and they're not very well done uh some of them are cut in such a way where i, I don't understand what's happening mm-hmm. or where we are geographically at all it's it it, the, it it was very confusing on the other hand um i re i, I I don't necessarily love his performance from an acting sense, but just, you know, badass mullet Eric Roberts is one of my favorite of his many molted phases. You know, like him, we're watching him do these action scenes that are just... Ugh, they're so awkward. Like his choreography is weird. Yeah, I love that shit, it's
1: really weird. Like, Ugh, like just there was what one the shot fuck? near the end of the movie on the boat where he's shooting it like a dude down a hall. And he just keeps kind of leaning his weight on one foot or the other as he aims. It's so strange. I don't it's every fight scene in this movie you're like, "Have you guys ever seen a guy like that in a fight
2: before? Like what is going on right now?" Uh, here's here's what happens in a real fight, Liam. You put your legs around a guy's head, right, uh-huh. just to hold him steady. Then you wrap a cord around his neck, and you just hang him from the top of a big boat. Yeah,
0: that's a rag- that happens on the
2: regs. They call that the Tony LaZorca special. <laughs> don't you mean the John Deegan <laughs> special? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, so just to reiterate the plot once again, Eric Roberts plays a hitman who uh, we see in the opening scene letting a guy go who ends up being the father of this kid that I said was very annoying. But anyway, he's a hitman. He ends up going into the Witness Protection Program, and his kind of connection in the Witness Protection Program is Tom Hawley, played by the legendary C. Thomas
1: Howell, who... Which I didn't realize that until he was almost out of the movie. Now, I have a very important question. C. Thomas Howell
2: was a fairly recognizable famous actor in the 1980s, he was in The Hitcher. He was in a bunch of stuff. Uh, and in the 90s, he kind of rested comfortably in a lot of straight-to-video stuff. Even now, he he stars in a lot of really low-budget horror and science fiction type stuff. And also appears, you know, in like, like uh, uh, a lot of mockbusters and things like that. Here, I could have sworn when his character was introduced that he was going to end up being a bad guy in this movie. That he was going to turn at some point or prove that he was... One of the bad guys the whole time. And we do discover that one of the FBI agents is like that, but it's not C. Thomas Howell. He just gets killed halfway through the movie. got to go over to you, Liam. What's up with C. Thomas Howell? I feel like, wasn't he in a blackface
0: movie? I,
1: yep. <laughs> oh, <Saul laughs> I was man. Gonna say, that's what killed his career, man. That's what I'm
0: saying, man. My man did this blackface movie, which, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> Can I just put it out there that I saw that shit in the motherfucking theater? And even at the time as a kid, I was like, I don't know, but I think this is fucked up. You know, like I just it just did not sit well with me. And you can't come out of that experience and expect to have a life like that's just not real. So I don't In this film, he really felt like his character is strange. He's angry all the time, like even when he's he basically makes the decision to let eric roberts hitman character just do whatever the fuck he wants like no uh-huh. just doesn't give a fuck but he's still mad at him about it. like I, I don't understand the like oh yeah son of a bitch all right do what you gotta do and it's just like and I, I it almost felt like he was trying to be someone who he just isn't like he was trying to play i don't know it yeah C. it didn't work in a very ass. strange way and he's recognizable <laughs> enough that it was super awkward yeah, it's, it, it's, was,
1: it was weird. Even weirder, though, for me was... I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut in, but... No, it's okay. Even weirder for me was when uh, he shows up at the... Eric Roberts' wife's house <laughs> and then just proceeds to tell her everything that the uh, the CIA has... Or the FBI, CIA, whoever has, you know, completely changed about this man's life. Because That, that to, seems like a, a breach. To Eric Roberts' wife, he's just... Eric's friend Tom,
2: well, not Eric's friend, John's friend Tom, who calls sometimes, who I guess she's had no curiosity about who he is or what he does. They've just been having these regular phone calls because he's an FBI agent. And she she's expected to be perfectly okay with the reveal that Eric Roberts' character was a hitman and has been living living under witness protection. And she never let her know any of that. Um it's one of those things where these conflicts, they, they they kind of go to the back burner as the movie goes along, as we have to introduce these secondary characters to kind of add more drama to things. So let's talk about Brian Penny. Brian Penny is a hacker. Now, back in 1999, a hacker meant that someone just needed to be able to look at a computer and basically access any information that they could possibly want uh, with just a few button clicks. Um, and this actor, Esteban Powell, who plays Brian Penny, is So fucking annoying. And his character is supposed to be like a smart mouth, even though he's also meant to be a coward. So he's like, he's terrified all the time, but then he's like, I guess, like Spider-Man. He's going to be witty, and he's going to crack jokes all the time, except none of the jokes are interesting. The only line of dialogue that I remember from this movie doesn't come from Brian Penny at all. It comes from Eric Roberts, who tells him that if he doesn't shut up, he's going to play air hockey with his kneecaps. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just my opinion. Maybe these comic relief characters just grate on me a little more than most. Josh, you did mention you didn't much care for him. What, what did you think his purpose was in this movie?
1: If I could figure that out, I'd understand a lot more about the movie. Uh, when I first saw him, I was like, oh shit, is that the guy from Sum 41? But uh, it wasn't. But, yeah, he, he skateboards into the film. And one of the mafia guys literally says, hey, great entrance, kid. My name's Paolo. Like, there, there's nothing realistic about any exchange he has with anyone in this movie. Everything is so bizarrely overwritten just for his character he he has a a comeback for everything and none of it makes any sense. He starts doing a couple voices here and there. It, it's <laughs> it's like it's like somebody made last action hero and forgot that they were trying to satirize the movie so they just actually wrote the kid in and thought he was cool. We're we're told that this guy is like A badass hacker that the FBI have been
2: looking for him forever, that he's like a really smart, really you know, he's young, but he's obviously really with it. And he skateboards into this group of mobsters who all have guns, who their entire plan is we will get the thing that he's trying to sell to us, and then we're just gonna kill him. Because why would we not at that point? And he has no backup plan at all. He he he's so lucky that Eric Roberts has a fucking rifle pointed at all these guys and even Eric Roberts manages to not kill like a quarter of them. Uh it it really is a truly bizarre character that just made me more and more upset at him as the movie went along. But Liam, what did you think of Brian Penny? Can you relate to this kind of character?
0: Can you remind me just really quickly what year did this film come out again? 1999. Exactly. Like by 99 there was a like this <clears throat> It's sort of like this amalgamation of all the various alt things that were going on at the time like all right like no, <laughs> no, see, that, no. this is the thing but it but is, it is is, he a cock? is that what we should be talking <laughs> about no but I think there is this alt thing where it's like in the 90s where it's like look Nirvana had happened and then Green Day had happened and then all this like weird like uh, punk revival stuff. And the mainstream culture didn't know what to do with it. So they would just take a pastiche of weird white people shit, squish it together, and then be like, yeah, this guy makes sense. He'd be a hacker. No, (laughs) no, he, what what the, why, who is this? What? Ugh. And like at the time, like now I'm 37, I'm a little less involved in that. It doesn't bother me as much. 1999. I was like, "What is this bullshit?" Like, I would get so mad watching a movie like this to be like, "Who? It? What? Who? What?" Like, it just would make me so upset. Let alone the whole like, I mean, what has this guy actually done? Like, it looks like he somehow managed to steal an Excel sheet of all the names of the witness protection people. Which, like, why is there an Excel sheet? Like, it was just there was one file that he just had to go. Okay, let's see. Witness protection. Witness witnessnames.xl oh this must be it here we go <laughs> you know like it
2: was it's very strange but you remember the to- guy remember when the when the mob guy he, he the, the fucking dickhead passed him a cd and the mob guy basically doesn't seem to know what a cd is <laughs> like he, he looks at it like it's on the fucking planet mars this is 1999 he's like it's got 650 megabytes on it probably more than your brain can handle it's like what the are you
0: talking about jesus christ okay okay so there was that but then there's also so it's bad enough he's this like weird useless character that whatever whatever then they're like, you know what? He should be like sassy. Like he should really have an attitude. And I'm like, fuck this movie. They're like, don't be wrong. There were parts I liked. I actually enjoyed about this movie. But this character almost made me just give up on this whole fucking movie yeah. because it's he's <laughs> awful. Everything about him is
1: awful. Yeah, and you guys mentioned so. the the alternative style of the time, and I could I immediately realized that this kid uh, was a character that existed right as hot topics started popping up in malls everywhere across the country, and it, it's that's exactly. Exactly what he's the perfect amalgamation of that style.
0: He he looks like the kind of guy that's like, oh man, Lincoln Park is really changing music. You know, like like that's who this is supposed to be. But like the people who wrote him don't know enough. They just know when I drop my kid off at the mall, I see all these freaks. So uh, that's it.
1: We should
2: have a freak Stop character who looks all like on a the
1: freak. Computers and shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. I love when they try to get him to hack Back into the FBI while they're sitting there And they have a computer in the middle of this fucking Horrible looking place And it's like hey it's online You should be able to do it (laughs) And they totally expect he can And he does I also like that his plan of like maybe not getting murdered by the mob, is that they, he only gives them half of all the people that are on the witness protection program instead of all of them, as if they need every single fucking person that's on the list in the first place. Also, he has the ability to hack into this, and he is still unable to find out who his father is or what his father's name was so he can somehow connect him. Because that's his that's his story, is that he wants, he wants to trade this list of everybody that's on the witness protection program list in exchange for someone telling him who his father is on that list so he can track him down. To what end,
0: though? Like this is the other thing they never yeah. really clarify: is he he wants to track him down so he can yell at him? He wants to track <laughs> him down so they can have a relationship? Like they, we never, they whoever wrote this didn't. But bo- they just figured it was enough to be like, it's his dad. Oh well, that's all I need to know. Surely there's no other information I need. And we so and meanwhile, all he does is get his dad killed. So like, yeah. what exactly is the point? It's it's literally just there to justify having this asshole on screen.
2: Also, the the. the, The likelihood of his father also being the last person that Eric Roberts, like, encountered before he went on the Witness Protection Program, and someone that he knew so closely, it doesn't make any sense at all. But, you know, this kid, he was at home, he was listening to... Everclear, and he was he's like i have dad issues and i need to work these out and i wish punk went back to its roots when rancid were big and that's what he was really into uh and he was i just... like
0: that you're like Everclear. this is he probably was listening to yellow card
2: actually be honest. <laughs> uh i will buy you a new life <laughs> Eric Roberts is the star of a movie called Hitman's Run from 1999 that we're talking about right now. What now? One of the great things about this movie is that it's Eric Roberts heavy. He is the star of this movie. He's in it from start to finish. There's lots of it. There's a scene where he gets punched in the face while he's tied up, and he manages to escape uh, in a very kind. Of, oh, they they do this thing where they tie his legs uh, up, and then they tie a rope around his throat, which is the idea that as your legs. Relax, that it's supposed to choke you. And I was like, that sounds awful, but he gets out of that pretty easily. So what did we think of Eric Roberts in this movie, Josh?
1: He's pretty solid. He, he doesn't, you know, he, he's, he's game for the whole movie. He doesn't seem like he's phoning anything in. Uh, he hits the emotional beats where he's supposed to. He hits the weird physical beats where he's supposed to. And he seems like he's actually having fun, especially the scene mm. where he's slapping the shit out of that kid over and over again before he tells yeah. him to play oh. hockey with his kneecaps. I like, and he uses <laughs> one of my favorite... Terms that people don't use enough anymore Which is that he thre- he, he tells the kid not to dick with him <laughs> And that kid was dicking with him he was dicking So he with had a right so to hard. say that
2: Yeah, he he was dicking the shit out of Eric Roberts You're right, Eric Roberts I think does seem pretty engaged with the material He doesn't have to exactly emote very much in this movie Not even as much as in Best in the Best when his son gets fucked up and he has to cry over his hospital bed Even though he's sporting Best of the Best style hair Here he really just has to, you know, be tough, be resilient And at the end, every single character gets a happy ending Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie?
0: I mean like I said this is this is the mullety, action-y Eric Roberts that you know I kind of enjoy uh, I will say since we're being mostly positive about his performance I mean every scene with his quote unquote family if I'm supposed to buy that <laughs> is just awk like it really felt like it If if I didn't see them on screen together, it was like they were not even in the same room. Like I I didn't. There was no chemistry there. That whole thing was so superb. Like even his relationship with them, it's only because you wouldn't believe this character would be so concerned for himself. He just needs them there for him to have passion to actually do something about this. But like the actual people on screen have no chemistry. So that part was a little rough. But all the parts where he's like you know going after the bad guys or interacting with the asshole kid those were great like that right he, he was definitely present for those but man the be, the beginning part of, like the very beginning it's like okay he's doing the mafia thing his hair is feathered in a very enjoyable way like I, <laughs> i'm into it but then as exposition. soon as we see him in this
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right
0: yeah as soon as he's in the family situation though i'm like uh i don't know you're losing me here
1: it is weird that I felt like the opening credits were reminding you, "Hey, you remember when this guy directed Commando here? Zarek Roberts playing with a little girl. Oh, look, he's got his shirt off, folks. How do you feel? Are you uh, are you more? Do you, do you feel more self conscious about that hair or the pecs?"
2: <laughs> I love how like they have to have such shorthand to explain his relationship with the family that they have the daughter call him daddy, even though he's only been with them what a year yeah, or just now. That uh, <laughs> I was like,
1: it's like it, my
2: first time. I'm a y- member of this family. <laughs>
0: Well, and and also, let's be clear, if you're in the witness protection program and you haven't testified yet, they're not usually super stoked for you to start a fucking family. They usually they usually wait for you to have at least fulfilled that before they let you have a
2: life. The other thing is he doesn't. Like, he's still living in the city where these people are. I mean, did they come a long distance to try to find him? I guess they came some distance. No, no,
0: no. I I thought he was in California. Yeah,
1: I thought he was in a different area as well. Yeah, he's He's in
0: California when they come for him. Before that, he's in Jersey. But the kid's father, they brought him to to California as well? Oh, yeah. No, that's the other thing. The two witnesses in the same fucking case are like, what, a couple miles from each other? Who planned this shit? That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Uh, The the, the whole fact that, that everyone... All the main characters in this tied together through some weird connection is beautiful coincidence.
2: (laughs) Beautiful coincidence. That's what we like to hear. Now I have to ask you both the question, the entire point of this podcast, which is in Hitman's run from 1999, is Eric Roberts the fucking man starting with you, Liam?
0: Yes. Undoubtedly, unequivocally, yes.
2: Well, I mean, I like that. I like positivity in this day and age. Let's go over to you, Josh. What do you think?
1: I, I'm 100% with him, absolutely even in this movie that has uh, has pistols that sound like the gun from Doom <laughs> uh, yeah, he still manages to elevate himself above the material you mean the BFG? <laughs> No, no, the pistol. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I know. But I'm just oh, trying man, to bring some levity. If a
2: BFG, though, that would have been great. That would have been great. Might have made this a little bit easier on him because he wasn't
1: a crack shot considering he was a hitman. No, there was a lot of misses in this movie. And a lot of dudes just standing at the end of a hall <laughs> just like Doom. <laughs>
2: Hitman's Run for 1999, I will confirm, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If you like Eric Roberts, uh, and Eric Roberts' hair in particular, and you like to see him be the star of an action movie from the director of Commando, hey, I'll tell you what, this movie, it's no Commando. But if you just want to see an annoying kid be kind of whacked around the face by Eric Roberts, and him shooting a lot of bad guys, you could probably squeeze some enjoyment out of Hitman's Run. Let's see if we can squeeze a similar amount of enjoyment out of Bonnie and Clyde Justified, directed by David Takoto, we're going to talk about that. Just after this.
1: Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James? Comment
0: il a vécu? Comment il est mort? Ça vous a
1: plu, hein? Vous en demandez encore?
0: In
1: depression a America...
2: Bonnie Parker met Clyde Barrow over a cup of hot chocolate and it was love at first sight. Their violent courtship took them through bank robberies, prison, and a multi-state crime spree, securing their place in history as America's most notorious couple. Using Bonnie Parker's own letters to Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde Justified takes you through their story from love at first sight to their inevitable violent end. Yes, it's the romantic film, the romantic PG-13 movie, Bonnie and Clyde Justified, directed by... David Decoto, and written by his usual collaborator, Rolf Konevsky. Uh, This movie, honestly, if you've watched any David Dakota movies over the past 10 or 15 years, you'll know what to expect here, which is extremely low production value, a lot of minimal but very visibly awful special effects, especially digital effects, very small appearances by big names, in this case, Eric Roberts and uh, D. Wallace Stone. Uh, or just D Wallace as credited in this movie, and everything looking very flat because it's so overlit the entire time. Like the, the look of these films are very distinctive. Let's start with you, Liam. What did you think of Bonnie and Clyde? Justified. Ah, uh, uh-huh. I see. Well, I moving mean, it, on. It,
0: this is difficult. This is it's it's a sort of movie that I I actually. If it wasn't for, I mean, that's not fair. There's a lot of movies we watch that if it wasn't for this podcast, I would not make it through the movie. But Mm -hmm. this one, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't make it through the movie. Like, even if this was, if I was a guest on your podcast and not the (laughs) co-host, I would have been the whole time thinking, I don't know, I don't know if my friendship with Doug is worth this movie. I Uh I just, and and and, it's not. And and again, (laughs) again, we've seen worse. This is not. Dark, side. Dark Moon Rising. Yeah, Dark, Dark Moon, moon rising, rising, that's what it was. This is not Dark Moon Rising bad at all. So I don't want to, you know, shit on it that much in that sense. But it is complete for me at least it's completely boring. It's boring in a way that I'd rather watch something technically worse that at least entertain me.
2: Now this is a movie about a bank robbing couple, one of the most famous in the history of the United States of America. Sure. And there's no scenes of them Robbing a bank By which I mean We see them go into a bank And we hear gunshots And them run out But there's no scenes Of them actually Doing crimes It's always just them Running out Because they can't afford To do scenes of Actual action
1: Yeah that would take
0: That would take extras
1: Yeah this is the first movie I've ever seen That was comprised I'd say about 85% of production stills With audio played over them With sepia tone (laughs) Fucking 10 minute long montage Halfway through the movie I mean, they Um, they took a break during one of the montages And they came back and did more
2: montage Because they needed an excuse to have Just more photographs of the two leads Goofing around, pointing guns at each other In like comical fashion And taking selfies This is an extremely, again It is business as usual for the later work Of David Takoto But it's also incredibly poor to the point where I have to say, uh, and I will get to your thoughts in a second, Josh, that I actually really enjoyed it because I found it goofily bad in a way that a lot of uh, even movies, even a movie like like a Halloween puppy, which I I found was bad and comical. But this one I kind of enjoyed just because it's like everyone was playing it so straight. We're supposed to be so um, entranced by the romance between these two characters. And the acting is awful, almost from top to bottom. Everyone looks too young for their characters or, in some cases, too old for their characters. And it's so obvious. Like, there is a shot of the word bank that's obviously from the (laughs) the side of a real bank. Oh, We'll talk about that bank in a second. But they'll show, like, a photograph of the word bank and they'll show it, like, 12 times just to represent that they're going to banks. But then they go to a scene where they actually go into a bank and they have – well, Josh, explain to me what they have.
1: Well, it looks like they went to maybe Six Flags or something, and they had like a little, like a little Southern village in there, and they just stole a shot from the front of it, and then they put it in the computer and realized, oh, there's no, uh, there's no sign on the top, so they just pulled up like Microsoft Word or something and typed the word bank on top of the building. <laughs> it looks <laughs> and amazing. you can tell that it's just superimposed. It's hysterical. Uh, uh, it's easily I, the funniest thing in the movie.
2: Now, the 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 requirement to make this movie was. Exteriors that look old-timey, right? So they obviously had access to that Two vehicles One for Bonnie and Clyde to drive One that has police written on the side of it That are used by every single other character in the entire movie That needs to drive So we have two of those But that's literally all they have To the point where at one moment They show an old West town instead With a sign that says Undertaker, like in the 1930s You have one of these fucking cities Or these little towns with Undertaker Just sitting there watching Bonnie and Clyde As they come in and nodding and taking Seeing how tall they are To fit the fucking coffin Josh, what did you think of this movie?
1: Oh lord, well I uh, I did my homework for this one. I'd never actually seen the original Bonnie and Clyde because it was such a it's such a well known movie that I sure I almost felt like I'd seen it before. But I decided, you know what? I'll go to the library. They have free movies there. I checked it out. I rented it. It was great. That movie you can see what it did for cinema as a whole. That and it was know, it every, was a big part of the counterculture at the time yeah, too. Right? Every, People really every embraced revolutionary, it. Revolutionary. Every counterculture movie, every violent film that came afterwards owed such a huge, enormous debt to that film's existence. This movie does the exact opposite. It is a PG thirteen uh movie for people with uh brain problems. I, I I just don't understand the existence of this. Uh nobody nobody speaks era appropriate. Uh, I think I think somebody referred to uh something about a crap load, which I don't think they would have said. There was definitely a rear entry joke in there somewhere. <laughs> Yes, there was. <laughs> I just I don't I don't know what's going on here. I mean, can, can can we just start with the opening sequence of the movie? Because
2: Okay, let me explain the opening sequence. Yeah, now, anyone who's man. ever <laughs> Yeah, Anyone who's ever seen the original Bonnie and Clyde Or knows anything about their story Know that Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow They died in a hail of bullets And in fact their death in the Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde from the late 60s It's extremely violent and disturbing to watch Really in a lot of ways And it's supposed to be Uh, And very much of the time it was much more excessive Than what, what people were used to seeing in movies So they need to replicate that very famous scene In this movie And they do it as the opening So Eric Roberts is brought in as a retired, um, uh, like a, r- a ranger or a police officer, who comes out of retirement to hunt down Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. So, him and a couple of other uh, deputies are hiding in the bushes, <laughs> waiting for their car to come by. It does, and then we see them all point guns and pretend to shoot as superimposed <laughs> muzzle flashes are put over it, and we. Then cut to the car, which just fades out while more shots are fired on the soundtrack, and that is all you see of the end of Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. Are you trying to tell me Josh, that you weren't satisfied with that
1: I thought the movie actually broke I thought it froze when it when it when the freeze frame of the car popped up. I actually thought there was a problem with the movie it was It was that poorly done i I mean maybe they could have added a few you know a few bullet hits on the car itself to denote that they were even being touched by this, but there was, there was nothing. I, I, I legitimately thought the movie was broken in a very literal sense. Uh, well, it was, but, no, uh, but not, so not in gonna, the way it, sup, the rest of it was. I'm going to turn the tables
2: because in Trump's America, we need to be able to focus on something positive about all things. So I'm just going to go over to you, Liam. What was one good thing about Bonnie and Clyde justified?
0: The first time Eric Roberts appears on screen, it made me laugh out loud.
2: <laughs> why is why is
0: that? Because he looked ridiculous <laughs> and he sounded ridiculous. It was I was just like it when it happened. My mind just went, "What is even going on right now?" Like it, it kind of I think at the moment too. I, like it was the first moment in the film where my brain started to be like, "I don't know. I don't know if I can pay attention to this." And then he shows up. I, I don't even remember. the He's like
1: giving a speech, and I forget what he's he, talking.
2: He's doing a press conference, and they basically replay the exact same thing at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah, but sure. If you the like first, that first
1: five minutes, you get it all over again. You yeah. get it all over yeah, again. That's, that's
2: exactly true. right. So he's basically talking about how the press have to stop being so nice to Bonnie and Clyde and start printing the fact that they're murderers because, frankly, they are. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And, uh, and while he's doing that, he's supposed to be doing a press conference in front of press – However, we don't see any of the press. He's there with two other guys. All we hear are camera bulbs going off, and the screen just goes white every couple of seconds to show that they're taking photos. But we don't actually see anyone take a photo. No.
0: That, well, that would be actually again. The, the how do you make a movie with as few people as possible? And that's that seems to be the art of this
2: film. See, we is, were that, we were
1: that, in the shoes of the photographer. That was a first-person shot. Just, <laughs> that's don't cool. we feel
2: culpable for the media in this movie?
1: <laughs> we're we're, we're all part. Of this. We're, we're part of the crime.
2: <laughs> Josh, tell me something good about Bonnie and Clyde? Justified.
1: So there's a moment right in the uh, near the end of the movie where they uh, Eric Roberts and the other cops are hanging out in the bushes. And Eric Roberts just uh, coyly quips, "You know, I always found Bonnie sexy." <laughs> I that I feel like that had to be a ad lib because no way. It, it was too natural. <laughs> and he like gives them a look, like, "What the fuck are you talking?" That was the one moment of brilliance. I like how we're discussing
2: it, like focusing on Eric Roberts, like he has more than like five minutes in the entire movie of screen uh-huh. time. We
1: pretty much covered it. We haven't covered the fact that I can't, figure out, I can't figure out whether or not it was a choice for his character to sound kind of totally drunk, or mm, if maybe mm. he was totally drunk. <laughs> so that is
2: something that we have to debate quite a bit on this show. I mean, he has that drawl, right? There's no doubt about it. He is supposed to be playing a character where that would be appropriate, but, you know, we, we try not to make uh, condemnations. And honestly, oh, absolutely how else? not. How else are you going to get through a David Takoto shoot?
1: It was just, it was a very strange sounding delivery, even for him.
2: <laughs> I always thought Bonnie it, was it sexy. Was the,
1: <laughs> it was the opposite of the uh, Oscar nomination here for a Southern drawl. So I'm going to say something
2: a little bit controversial, which is very strange. Now, we've covered a number of David Takoto movies on this show. Um, I always forget the other one, uh the, that uh, Eric Roberts also featured in. I know that Liam wasn't here for it. It's actually much poorer than this movie. But that movie, the other one that I can't remember the name of, the one that has Tom Berenger in it for about three seconds at the beginning and end, that also featured the actress who plays Bonnie Parker here, Ashley Hayes. And I think that she's good. I think she's good in that, and I think she's good in this, considering, I know, again, with some caveats, considering the kind of movie that she's in, considering the role that she's being asked to play, she's not Faye Dunaway, right, but I think she acquits herself so much better than any of the other male characters or female characters in this movie that I have to say, I think that she has talent, I wish it was in service of something a lot better than Bonnie and Clyde, Justified, Going back to what we said at the very beginning, Liam, do you think that their crime spree was justified?
0: (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest. I only know about Bonnie and Clyde from popular culture. Sure. And I feel like the films inevitably have to remain. No uh, one. I don't know that anyone's going to make a movie where they're like, Bonnie and Clyde, the fucking monsters. You know what (laughs) I mean? Right? Like, like you make the movie because you want us to believe that. Uh, I will say this. My own philosophical bent is to be uh, sensitive towards criminals. Like I just think that uh, a lot of criminality comes from other things and from old
2: open borders, Liam.
0: Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. That's me. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, borders are a crime against nature. So I'll just put that out there. But uh, but so so I want to be sensitive. I will say this though. I'm also a pacifist. So I have sort of mixed feelings. Like I I abhor murder. But then again, like, is the murder of that Bonnie and Clyde perpetrate any worse than some of the other murders that we think are state sanctioned and therefore okay? Honestly, I know just enough about them to think I think they were enjoying themselves, which makes me a little bit more skeptical. Again, (laughs) that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I'm like willing to Completely condemn them because I don't know. I don't. I wasn't there. I haven't read much. But even in the films, there's a slight feeling to me of I don't know. Was this really about some of the romanticization that the society? I think in general at the time, society was a lot of people in society were disenfranchised. So very violent people were still seen as heroes if they were going against a a. a you know, a system that felt right. like it was fucking over everyone. So I'm mm-hmm. sensitive to that. But in this case, it feels like they were actually. It, this isn't like the Black Panthers. Like when you get down to it with the Black Panthers, most of those folks just like made breakfast. Like they right. may have had guns, but they were not doing anything wrong. In the case of Bonnie and Clyde, or some of the other criminals at the time that were like sort of glorified, it seems like they might have actually been assholes. Like it might they might have actually been bad people, or at least we should question some of the choices they made.
2: I just like the idea that you would celebrate someone who goes into a grocery store and kills somebody in there and steals like $200 and it's like they're like Robin Hood. Right. <laughs> You're right. Like, like the person who's working at the grocery store is in any. We're, like is some sort of like again elite type person that you need to kind of that that is representative of the the man or the society kind of holding them down. It's just a very interesting interpretation that this movie has. There is one part in this movie. I don't know if this is based on reality or not. That that for Clyde, his whole purpose was to. He went to jail. He had an absolutely <laughs> horrific experience, and then gets out. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. <laughs> and then gets out and. Has, is going to dedicate the rest of his life to basically burning down the prison to to get all of the prisoners out of it because he believes that it doesn't rehabilitate people. Which again, you know, I can that's a a relatable thing. I don't know if that's representative of what he was doing in real life. That's why he was stockpiling weapons or whatever. But uh, but that's an interesting tactic that they don't go very far with. However, the way that they represent his horrific experience in prison is done very interestingly. Basically, there's only one other prisoner and no guards in this prison. And that prisoner is constantly threatening to rape him. It's very tasteful. and in fact, yeah, it's very tasteful. So he's in his cell writing like letters to Bonnie, and there's a part where the guy it's 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 the day before Halloween. Now again, I don't mean to make light of this, and he says to him, "I know what your costume is going to be for Halloween, my bitch," and he gets so upset. Again, this guy there's at least an implication that he's probably assaulted him. Previously So Clyde takes a giant knife From under his pillow And he stabs this guy Through the bars And then like The next thing we see Is him getting released From prison uh, and, and apparently He got out early After murdering this guy So I'm guessing well, That was, the real life situation
1: You know What was it The 30s I And mean, he killed a gay man They probably gave him a medal
2: Yeah That's oh, That's a Sad interesting point You're making here Josh please elaborate
1: <laughs> No but I mean That it's it's
2: considering this movie is trying to be very much light romantic entertainment the introduce the introduction of such a dark element to it uh, is is really strange and kind of off putting. What did you think of the prison part of this movie, Josh?
1: That it was really weird. Uh I I know Oh by the way,
2: sorry to interrupt you Josh, <laughs> but when they show the outside of the prison, they show a modern prison. It yeah. does not look like a 1930s prison. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it was it was real it was really strange, especially cuz I I'm familiar enough with David Dakota's output to know that a lot of his current work has been uh what people refer to as gay themed uh horror films. Uh, yeah, and
2: that's kind of his his bread and butter.
1: I mean, I, I, I haven't seen any of those. But I, you know, I'm totally open to it. There's, there's a place for everything. But I'm really curious if those movies have any of this kind of weird predatory aspect to it that this one mm. does. It, it, it just, it wasn't what I expected, knowing the rest of his filmography. But, uh, yeah, that was that was super weird. And it was even weirder because I realized the prison was in Huntsville, and I dated a girl from Huntsville. And uh, <laughs> she should be in that prison because she's a bad person. <laughs> What?
2: Elaborate on that please uh,
1: She No First First first. What was her name uh, uh, I'm not getting into that one She's got a very recognizable <laughs> name If one person typed it in They'd find her in a heartbeat
2: Alright well let's do it Liam <laughs> What did you think of the prison aspect of this movie It wasn't my
0: favorite part of the movie um, Oh wait That's because there was no part I enjoyed of this
2: movie really. What about the newspapers Liam
0: uh, I forget. What about the newspapers?
2: Well, there's several newspapers on display in the movie Bonnie and Clyde Justified, and all of them have ridiculous uh, headlines in very modern font, and all of the other articles on the paper are these low-res images that you can, can't read at all because they're all fuzzy around the edges. They look ridiculous. Almost golden shoes level of ridiculous. But uh, So you don't recall how awful this looks? How How much were you paying attention to this movie, Liam? I was...
0: Really. I was. No, I'm not. I I told you at the beginning and I'll say it again. I was struggling to pay attention to this movie. And I think I mean, the the, the moments of like uh, unnecessary violence in a film whose tone was mostly like a weird romantic thing. Those Mm -hmm. pulled me back in. So, in fact, as much as I should be saying those parts of the movie are bad, I'm actually kind of, like, happy for them because they kept me sort of interested in the movie. But, like, no aspect of their relationship was, like, interesting to me. You know what I mean? Like, it just sort of floated past. So, like, details about the – I mean, no part of the movie is done well. Like, there's no – there's nothing to – for me to be like, oh, well, this at least works. Like So the newspapers, I mean, we already established they forgot to put fucking signs on the building and they <laughs> had to, in post-effects, be like, oh, that building should really say bank. <laughs> what, do, what do we do about that so like with the newspaper thing i'm kind of like yeah of course yeah no that's right it, that makes sense
1: at least they spelled bank correctly that, they couldn't spell hail correctly that's true that's, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's nothing you liked you didn't like all the really well-written poetry that oh, Bonnie God. Reads? that's her the real poetry poem? apparently Oh no! Yeah? Okay, that explains a whole lot. Then that's it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful,
2: and it's the voiceover for most of the movie. Uh, yeah,
1: th- this, oh, it's so one bad. could say that the, this movie. The
0: voiceover has some stuff made me want to jump through a window.
2: <laughs> so let's talk about Eric Roberts. <clears throat> He's at the very beginning of this movie, and then vanishes for about eighty minutes, and then shows up at the end to do the same thing that he did at the beginning. <laughs> And that's his entire part. What do we think of Eric Roberts in this movie, Josh?
1: Red beans.
2: <laughs> what about a coincidence of that, that his deputy is the one guy in the world who would know what the fuck that means?
1: <laughs> Man, I, I still can't. Oh, I, I don't even know what to make of Eric Roberts in this movie. Certainly he's he's the best one in it, but that's you know that's not saying much. Well, I'm going to ask you this question, Josh. How many days do
2: you think he worked on this movie?
1: Oh, he was in there for the day. He was in and out. He was probably in when the sun went up and out when it went down. <laughs> or maybe early afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. They might have, well, they might have stopped for lunch. <laughs> now, let's just
2: keep filming through. I want to nail this thing. I've got two other David Dakota movies to finish before the exactly. end of the day. Exactly. They're
1: probably on a time crunch. <laughs> so, they probably used the same sets for another movie the same day. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, especially if they're they're, I think he was making like three
2: or four period movies at that time. So I guess, you know, you got that. You got those locations available. Might as well make use of them. You do got a a, a white shirt with a vest to go over it. So that's that's good enough to look like a 1930s costume. Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts?
0: Kind of like a drunk foghorn, Leghorn, I guess is how I would think of him in this movie. Ah, well, say, boy. <laughs> I mean, for the two scenes, do you think those were just two takes on the same scene, and they just used both takes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it, it just felt because you you make the joke about like how long was he there. I mean, I would put it down to hours. Like, I, I, I really believe this was six hours of air. Well, there is
2: that one scene where he goes to the jail as well to. Oh talk sure, to the sure, woman sure. The eye, but again, so, okay,
1: so eight
2: hours. True. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, the I one just who
1: was almost harmed.
2: It just <laughs> she it covers just, her eye, so she, of course she got shot at it and had surgery on it.
0: <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like. And not that I don't love this movie, but it's not like Cecil B. Demented where he's in it for two, literally two seconds or, right. uh, or, I mean, we watched some other movies that are worse than this in which he's in sure. it for no time at all, but it, it, it was not much. It was definitely not much. And if it felt like, again, this is a mystery we have not yet solved, which is, is Eric Roberts such a draw that it's worth it to like make up some bullshit thing for him to do for one day So you can say Eric Roberts is in your movie. Like That's what I don't understand is like I understand why you cast Eric Roberts in a role in an actual movie because when he shows up, even in the shittiest movie, he's still pretty good. What I don't understand is being like all we can afford of Eric Roberts is these two scenes. So we're going to do it and then we'll structure the rest of the movie around the fact that we have (laughs) Eric Roberts. Really? like. Is that really a thing? Like I, I, just don't understand that.
2: He is top credited, definitely. Oh, I do want to ask you quickly, uh, Liam. What did you think of uh, of D. Wallace in this movie? She played Bonnie's mother.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not uh, the D. Wallace fan that my <laughs> my my co-host on the Harbuses can't uh, on uh, my other podcast, Harbuses can't let the name D. Wallace be spoken without him fluttering and salivating and talking about how she's the best in the world. Uh, she was fine. It was cool.
2: She's all right. I mean, again, she, she seems like – she has a crying scene, which it, it seems to be almost legitimate emotion, which that's more than pretty much yeah, anyone Yeah, she else. was,
1: again, almost almost too qualified for the role. Oh, no, she
2: was definitely too qualified
1: for the role. Well, I, <laughs>
0: that's the thing. Like, the best you can hope for at this point in this kind of movie with you all is, like, don't be embarrassing. Like, I like you in other things, so don't be embarrassing in this
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. So that uh, begs the question, starting with you, Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Bonnie and Clyde justified?
0: I feel bad because I feel like I've said no to movies that were not even as bad as this one. Right. But I incli- am I'm inclined to say yes, just because like he's just ridiculous in it, like just that character to me is silly. <laughs> His I, white I suit. <laughs> yeah. With the whites, the whole thing is just a such a caricature to me that I kind of want to say he is, but it's hard. Uh, it, it's caveated in that this was a difficult movie to watch, but at least he was one of the good parts of the movie.
2: I like that Eric Roberts was on the television series Justified right around the same time period. That's and tell funny. You, that show is a lot better than this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> Josh, fucking man or no?
1: Oh, th- I've been thinking about this all week. And uh-huh. it's it's one of the hardest decisions of my life. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he did deliver the only memorable... One of the only memorable lines of dialogue in this. Uh, besides when Blanche made a joke about her husband having erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But God, and I—I I mean, I loved when he was firing his revolver, and you couldn't see the cylinder moving, even though the <laughs> flashes were coming out. It—it was—I mean, there's a lot of realism here, uh, and as as much as I want to, I—I I cannot say he is in this movie. He—he he doesn't have enough to do. He, he, Unprecedented. He gets the one good line, and he probably made that up as a joke, and they left it in. <laughs> I was thought that Bonnie was sexy. <laughs>
2: Fucking weird, weird performance from Eric That's Roberts Especially because
1: Bonnie was supposed to be, like,
2: 20. Yeah, maybe not even at that point, right? Uh, yeah, because we start when we introduced to her getting married at, what, 15? Um, yeah. And he said, always. <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I'm just going to say it. I don't know if I would have been able to make it through here, uh, this entire movie, without knowing that he was going to be on the other end of it. So uh, I'm just going to break that tie and say, of course, Eric Roberts. <laughs> Is the That's fucking good. man in Bonnie and Clyde justified? Let's take our final break, and when we come back, we'll have a little talk with Josh and say goodnight. <laughs> Episode number 38 of Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man is in the books. We talked about Hitman's Run from 2000... No, wait. Hitman's Run from 1999 and Bonnie and Clyde Justified from 2000-whenever. I want to thank our guest, Josh, a.k.a. Bracky Wacky, over on Twitter for joining us. Long-time listener to the show, a person I've known through social media for a very long time, has always been incredibly supportive of my work, and very glad to talk to you for the first time, Josh.
1: Yeah, I I was really happy to be here. I I feel like... We've uh, we've had enough conversation back and forth over the rest of the internet that it, uh, it had to boil down to the sooner or later. Yeah, it was time. It was you were overdue. I, I would was say. because you you kept me out of that Expendables episode, man. <laughs> I did. I so- I would have been perfect. S- sorry. I would have been perfect for the Cecil B. Demented one though. I didn't didn't think you guys would have nobody on that. You got fucked over on the Cecil B. Demented man, episode, right in the bum. That's okay. hey. Uh,
2: I got a question for you, Josh. Mm-hmm. Is Eric
1: Roberts the fucking man in Cecil B. Demented? Eric Roberts is the fucking man. He has so much conviction in the two lines of dialogue he has in that movie. I I totally (laughs) believed him in that one. All
2: right, I'll edit that part back into that old episode, and you'll feel like you were part of it the whole time. Perfect. Josh, if someone wants to find you on the internet or follow the kind of shit that you do, what's the best way to do so? Uh,
1: Honestly, right now, the the safest way is probably just to follow Bracky Wacky on Twitter. Like I said, it's B-R-A-K-Y-W-A-K-I. And I'm on Facebook as well, but I usually don't do as much on there because uh, I have in-laws. <laughs> but, I hear uh, ya. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like I said, we do have a, uh, a Facebook page for Mentortainment tonight, which will probably be updated into something else over the next few months once life slows down. But uh, my partner and I will get back on track, and eventually there will be another show. So if you keep an eye over there, it'll, uh, it'll come back someday. Someday. Until then, I'll just uh, I'll just keep accepting invitations to much better shows than my own.
2: <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's what I do. <laughs> Josh, yes, please do follow him on Twitter at Bracky Wacky. I'll, of course, link that in the show notes as well. Liam, good friend of mine. I know that the past week has been a rough time for the people of your ilk, and I don't just mean your complexion, but I mean just, you know, people living in your country. Uh, what are you, you up white to? White
1: people, you racist son of a bitch. Well,
2: I, I certainly <laughs> don't mean that. Well, it's 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 all it's, you're all, it's talking shit about, talk about the Irish were work. coming for you. <laughs> hey, I'm Irish too. I'm from Newfoundland. Come on there, uh, Liam, let's hear what you're up to.
1: Well, oh, here we go.
0: Here we go. <laughs> well, that's to represent my Puerto Rican side is the air horn. That's just a uni- universal call of, of my brethren from the island. Uh, no, um everyone should just go to CinePunks. Uh, we in October published a lot of stuff just a lot of stuff we actually have not published anything recently which apologies for that but we went from just doing a lot of shows and uh articles and features and all kinds of stuff to like taking a little bit of a break which was not actually a decision just sort of happened um but there's still a lot over there to check out so cinepunks.com if you want to follow me on twitter which i don't know why you would because i'm annoying uh but if you did uh at liam rules rules of course is spelled r-u-l-z uh and yeah those are the two places i would really check out you can also follow cinepunks on on twitter but you should really just go straight to the site and see what we got
2: Yeah, check it out. Lots of content from October. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can also, of course, follow Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. You can also go to our website, ericrobertsistheman.com, and check out all of our older episodes and uh, that sort of thing. We're also on Facebook. If you do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on that. You can find my, Doug Tilly, my writing over at dorkshelf.com as well as some videos that I'm putting together. And you can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at nobudgetpodcast.com. We recently covered the film, uh, The Body Beneath, the Annie Milligan movie, for uh, our little Halloween special. We had actually a partnership with Something Weird Video, so we were able to do a commentary for it, which I actually had a lot of fun doing. So please check that out over on dorkshelf, over on, or at on, or at on, No Budget Podcast com which has recently been revised. But with that, that's the end of Eric Roberts is the fucking man number thirty eight. Yes, we must say adieu. We must go back to the woodshed and uh and start mining out. Yeah, the woodshed we're gonna mine out more Eric Roberts goodness, more Eric Roberts classics in just a couple of weeks we'll be back with more. Everyone say good night, please.
1: Good night.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, goodnight. good night. Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man, Eric Roberts is the fucking
1: man, Eric Roberts is the fucking man, if there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.